And just a disclaimer, we are not doctors. Information shared in this podcast is not meant as medical advice. We do not intend to diagnose, treat, or cure. We intend to delineate knowledge for educational purposes only. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to Ross. Native Trees and a Bag of Weeds. I am featuring our special guest, Ross. I'm mm. <laughs> excited because you'll have a lot of notes. You're tired, poor thing. I am exhausted, but it's all good. It's all good. So how's your, uh, <laughs> we're recording on a Monday night, so not much to recap from the week, but how about last week? We got a whole week, yeah. Um, fun, new, exciting things coming for the shop. Oh, yeah? I learned um, that all the herbs in pumpkin spice, um, which is what we're drinking, we're drinking pumpkin spice mules, Moscow mules. They're freaking delicious. Um, but all the herbs in pumpkin spice are medicinal, and they all have relatively similar properties that make mm. them anti-inflammatory um, and pain-relieving. So I'm... Getting in the herbs to make a pumpkin spice bath tea and possibly a salve for my shop. Nice. That is awesome. Um, yeah, very exciting. So I'm just going to give it a try. I mean, a pumpkin spice bath tea sounds fun anyway, so that's up for pre-order, whether it's actually pain relieving or not. Oh, yeah. It's I pumpkin mean, it's spice pumpkin bath spice. tea. But I'm, you know, I'm going to try it out. And <laughs> you can be a basic <laughs> in the bathtub and it'll be medicinal. Yep, and I, I just thought it was cool after your series over the past few weeks, and then that, and then like the more we learn, the more I realize like holistic herbs and medicine and its benefits was typically throughout history just incorporated into daily life. Yeah, like that's probably where like pumpkin spice came from. Was it its medicinal properties? Maybe to you know a lot of those ingredients are warming yeah. and like they're pain relieving and stuff because they're warming like ginger, clove, cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice. All of those are very warming herbs. Which and is why it's a cold weather. It's a cold weather thing. blend. So just interesting. Um, what about dino nuggets? Looking at into it. Or or dino nuggies medicinal. Where did that even come from? I was talking about diet, like your diet being. Oh. So no. 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 Well. I have something in my eye. It's a whole eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> something that my eyeball doesn't like is in there. Oh. I flake of mascara. Sorry. I don't know. Um. Oh, now I've got like something from dinner in there. Speaking what? of dinner. I was about to ask, what exactly is in your eye, Matthew? Well, it's not <laughs> mushrooms, but we did eat, we have eaten in um, chanterelle mushrooms, and then we found some wood's ear or jelly mushrooms, um, and we put those in a soup today uh, in what I thought was going to help with my abundance of kale that I just harvested. <laughs> and, and you used hardly any of it. God, it didn't even make a dent in it. So my favorite thing from the garden this week has been the accidental collards. Oh yeah, so I thought I planted cabbage, and then when I realized it wasn't cabbage, I was like, well, I also planted rutabagas. And out of everything that I planted in that little plot, because there was all supposed to be some chamomile, and there was supposed to be something else in that little plot too. I don't remember. And I was like, I'll know what it is when it comes up. So oh, I didn't yeah. mark anything. 
Um, the rain washed all my seeds out from where I planted them, so nothing's where I planted it. <laughs> no, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. And so I'm like, this is not rutabaga, and it's not cabbage. And we were getting really mad, and it was, I mean, these leaves were getting huge. It was, it was obvious beautiful. whatever it was needed to be picked. And so I just was like, it's green, and it's a vegetable. And so I just bit it. At the same time, Jared was smelling it, and we both said at like the same time that it smelled and tasted like collard greens. Yeah. <laughs> so we picked a whole bunch is. and cooked it, um, and had a really nice meal with some fried pork chops and sautéed chanterelles and surprise collards. <laughs> I'm just guessing a lot what you thought was rutabaga seeds or cannabis seeds. That's or something. very possible. It's just cab um, collard seeds because they all look alike. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. They were delicious though. Or they were packaged wrong because the rutabagas I got from like Lowe's or something. Nice. But no, now the cabbage that I planted, I think, came from the co-op. And it probably easily could have been mislabeled. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. Well, cool. I mean, that's basically my week, too. I haven't done... I did make some um, beautyberry, whatever it turned out to be. Syrup. Um, it was supposed to be jelly, and then it turned this into... This man has never canned or jellied in his life. Anything. Decides to do both while I'm at work. Yeah, you gotta learn, you know? You gotta learn. So... By yourself? With nobody, no teacher? That's how I, That's how I learn. Um, so I did the beauty barrier, did the whole batch, put up like eight or nine jars. Well, after the first doing, it was still juice. Liquid. It was like beauty berry Kool-Aid. And then I did a little bit of research and talked to Ma and she's like, well, you can redo it and uh, re-add the pectin. So I re-bought it and re-added the pectin, which did thicken it up. And I used it as syrup on my pancakes. Was it morning. good? It I was, forgot about it. It was freaking delicious. Um, and, I mean, it's basically sugar fruit water, but you get a hint of, like, yeah. it, it doesn't taste like other. I mean, while we were at Landmark Park with, um, we took our kids and our kids' best friends. It's another sibling mm -hmm. set, or best friends with my older two. We took them to a Bluegrass Festival at Landmark Park this weekend um, and went on the trail, and, you know, they... I know at least the oldest, the daughter, she mm -hmm. loves that I do like all the herb and plant things that oh, yeah. none of the other moms do, as she said. Um, and so <laughs> trying to tell them and reassure them that the bright purple berries were not poisonous <laughs> yeah. was fun. But those did have a stronger flavor. They are yeah. very they, perfumey. The more, the more ripe I've learned um, after I've been eating the ones we have, like as soon as they started turning purple. But the more ripe they get, the more potent the flavor is. And not even more perfumey um, or more floral. It's just like the sweetness grows too. So it's just like yeah. a sweeter, plumper berry. Um, so I ended up what was canned syrup. Um, after setting in the fridge, the jar that I was using a syrup, after setting it in the fridge um, for a couple of days, it is now starting to jellify. So I'm thinking maybe... Um, as juicy as beauty bears are, maybe it just takes a few days. I've heard, I've, I I've think heard it's something to do with that pectin too. Like uh, I, it's sure gel, and that's what Ma uses. But I got it, got it. You don't have to edit that. It was a fuzz in my eye. Oh, that sucks. I got the damn little thing. Um, 
But no, I have, I've read, and several people told me, like, they've had jellies, um, especially super juicy or depending on the pectin, that took, like, two weeks to set. Right, but I have award-winning peach jam and mm -hmm. peach jelly that I have made way back when. And then I made some with sure gel, mm -hmm. and it turned into syrup. Like, I could not get yeah. it to set. So that wasn't a user error because, again, right. I've made award-winning jelly. I know what I'm doing. But I've always used ball pectin. Yeah, that's why I bought the ball at this time. Yeah, I've always... And somebody may send me a nasty email about how Sure Gel's better because I think it's, the you know, the classic. The premier pectin. Right, yeah. but um, I've personally had better luck with ball pectin. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try that next time. But either way, if it stays syrup, if it's a sauce, or if it jellifies, I am a-okay with it. It is you delicious. You did get your stuff that you can to seal. Yes, I am the master sealer. Everything I do seals. <laughs> um, but yeah, and even I had to do that because I have basically become the beauty berry guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, even all my questions I get on TikTok now are questions about beauty berry. And going into next year, looking at my native plant nursery plans, it seems as if beauty berry is going to be like my... That stuff is so career. easy to propagate. It, oh my you gosh. You stuck a stick yeah. in the ground by the garden and... Yeah. We thought, I thought it died. Like it, it turned brown. It just looked like a dead stick. beauty berry stick. It finished the, the berries, y'all. It put on new leaves. And now the berries went from brown to purple. The berries yeah. are, are it, ripening. Yes. It and, and it's yeah, putting on it, new leaves. Like it just picked up where it left off. Yeah. Like it's, and it's only been maybe a month. It's been a little more than a month, but it's really not been that long. Yeah. So that was a question I had a while ago, and I just made the video responding to it um, about the best way to propagate beauty berries. And I'm like, <laughs> stick a stick in the ground. Yeah, <laughs> anything. Um, cuttings, you can seed them. The seed I mean, this is like a three foot. Yeah. Like, like a two, yeah. three foot stick. Like literally yeah. just a piece of a beauty berry branch stuck in the ground. Nothing fancy done to it. We didn't water it. The world watered it. Yeah. Like it got rained on. And that's been my discovery. It's just randomly stuck at the edge of the garden. With all the plant stuff, my biggest goal is the plant nursery. And it seems like my biggest weakness is propagating plants. So it's been a fun learning curve. And beautyberry has been the easiest. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have the beautyberry to practice with. Like, it helps me yeah, learn you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And now I have... I've killed every elderberry transplant and cutting that I have put in the dirt. But the last three seedlings I planted, the main stem died back. But now the roots are just making new ones. Like the roots were still alive. So yeah. now we've got elderberry trees coming up that are live and full of life. So I'm happy about that. And I'll live two inches tall. Hey, <laughs> you got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. Um, But yeah, and then in my plums, I my... I bought four Chickasaw plum seedlings. It was just cuttings like off of that had rooted like suckers. And I planted four in the same big pot, like an old um, salt tub. So the four cuttings cut at the same time in the same dirt with the same fertilizer with the same amount of water in the same location. Three of them died and one of them now is like the most beautiful Chickasaw plum plant I've ever seen in my life. So, I don't know what to do with that. Me neither.
With what? The Chickasaw plums. Oh, yeah. So I did. Do you think I wasn't listening? Yeah, I did. I was totally half listening. (laughs) I was also texting Matley's mom. I planted two more today to replace the ones that died. Yes. Um, so, and it's the same deal with my Speaking of Matley's mom, I should probably say Miss Chelsea instead of the 10 year old's name. Miss Chelsea. (laughs) I was texting her because our girl. The cooking lady? The cooking lady. She's my chef slash photography friend. Um, and she does both. She's got a column, and I don't know what magazine it is. I should ask her. Um, she does a monthly column, mm-hmm. and she photographs her meals that she makes and then writes a column on it. Um, so she's she's combined her two passions, and I absolutely love that for her. <coughs> um, but she... She bleached her kid's hair last week, and then my daughter's, her daughter's best friend, and so she was like, my, now my daughter has been, you know, she's been begging me to bleach her hair for a while. We just haven't had the money to oh, yeah. put into hair. Like, that's been not a hair budget, not been the focus. So um, her friend shows up with her hair, like, streaks bleached and dyed pink, and so um, they start conspiring for her mom to bleach my daughter's hair, which is fine. I don't care. Um, but they all, they make these plans. These kids make plans <laughs> yeah. without any concern for what the like, parents are Like, you forget you ain't got no job, you ain't got no ride, and you ain't got no money. And that your parents do. <laughs> and so I get a call after work, like, Tuesday or Wednesday, and the kids are like, yeah, uh, Georgia's going over to Miss Chelsea's house to get her hair bleached on Friday. And so I text Chelsea, and I'm like, hey, word on the street is you're dyeing my kid's hair on Friday. And she's like, no, I got photo shoots on Friday and Saturday. So anyway, she did it Sunday, and I was going to pay her back for, like, the supplies. And then we went and harvested chanterelles, and I had, I mean, in just what little bit you picked, we had over a pound. Oh, yeah. We cooked some, and... I was able to give her a pound of chanterelles, which, you know, run $20, $30 a pound at most markets. Um, so that easily was what, you know, I was going to pay her for, you know, the supplies to do Georgia's hair. And um, she's very excited that she's going to cook up a something to do with the chanterelles this right. week. I'm and include those in her column. And I'm very excited for a chanterelle column using our chanterelles. Um I'm looking forward to it. Very excited. We will share that on the Instagram for sure. Absolutely. And we have been on a mushroom kick since finding all these edibles around. And still haven't even harvested like a fraction. But it is the idea of bartering. That was just so so fun. Like here's here's you a pound of uh, really good mushrooms for you to cook with. And thanks for doing my daughter's hair. Like that's some first world bartering right there. (laughs) Turn my turn my daughter into mermaid hair and here's some, some mushrooms. mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds trippy. It does sound trippy. <laughs> so uh, this week, ah, you were really surprising me because I, I am. I have not given you any I, hints. I have no clue. I'm guessing. Normally, I don't tell you, but you usually like get a peek at my notes. Yeah. I know. How about this? How about this? How about what is your guess? That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. And I'm gonna I'm gonna guess, or I'm gonna ask. I play this game with the kids, where I like I pick an animal, and I say I'm thinking of an animal that starts with an M, and they can ask me context questions, not like okay, not like how do you spell it, but like 
what's its native range? Does it live in water? Is it a land animal? Is it... Okay. So we'll do this with your plant. Okay. Um, so I'm guessing that it's a culinary herb. It's a culinary herb. We are continuing our series. We did thyme. We did rosemary. We're continuing the series of things that mm-hmm. you can find in your kitchen cabinet. I'm going to go first guess. I mm-hmm. get How many guesses I get? Three? Sure, give me three. Garlic. You're not supposed to be that good at this. You're supposed to have to ask questions. I practice with the kids. Uh, yeah, so we're talking about garlic. <laughs> uh, Allium sativum. The only it's, thing I really know about garlic is that it thwarts vampires. Yeah, so we get there. Oh, nice. It's okay, in, I'm going to let you notes. ride. I have three typed pages of notes, guys. Oh, my gosh. Um, and vampires are included. Nice. So... Um, they are part of the onion family, Aliaceae. Mm-hmm. I probably didn't say that right. Come for me. Um, a perennial bulb that produces edible cloves, uh, tall sword-like leaves, and stalks and scapes, um, and will also produce pale pink or pale green flowers. It is one of the safest herbs for home remedies for a vast majority of ailments. Hmm. So, uh, even I mean. You can't really overdose on garlic. And really, the most side effect you're going to get from eating too much garlic is your tummy may just really not like it. If you're not used to consuming large amounts of garlic, your stomach's going to be like, hold up. I would love to attempt to overdose on garlic. Right. <laughs> I think most people who just like are true foodies would love to try to overdose yeah. on garlic. And you, you really can't. Like, there are limited side effects. Um, no, like, true known side effects besides minor stomach upset. Um, it, so it's just considered all around <laughs> safe, and which is great because it covers a huge range of ailments. Um, so let's dig into it. That, is that pun? It that was, a, yeah. That was a good a, pun. I caught it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta dig it. Okay. Uh, I can dig that. Uh, so originally from Asia, but now easily cultivated widely across the world. I just sprouted some cloves myself. (laughs) I lost count. It was at least two bulbs worth of cloves that I put in just a little bowl of water. And And they grow inches per day. um, They are like six inches tall now with roots that are starting to entangle. So I need to get them in the ground. Um, And then they'll... So garlic you want to get in the ground um, in the fall Mm -hmm. because I forget what exactly the cold does to it. but the it thrives off of going through a cold season. Onions mm-hmm. do too. Huh. Um, and it has something to do with how the bulb grows. Yeah. I, I, gardeners will know. I'm not a gardener. I'm attempting because I like to grow my own things. <laughs> but I don't know what I'm doing. But I did read that it is preferable to plant your garlic and onions in the fall because it needs to go through that cold in the winter. <laughs> um, so... I should have a good oh, yeah, garlic fruit. crop yep. come next summer. Um, so there are over a thousand research papers published on the medicinal properties of garlic. Wow. Over a thousand. So my question, like these, um, these research papers focus on its ability to lower cholesterol, prevent blood clots, lower blood pressure, lower blood sugar, and its antibiotic properties. So my thing when I read this was if there are so many articles, like research-backed evidence studies, 
proving this herb's medicinal properties. Why is it so weird and so, <laughs> quote, taboo or hard to accept and utilize herbal medicine? Hmm. Yeah. It's... If there is evidence base behind it, why is it so hard to wrap our heads around? Why? Because it's not the norm. People don't. So people don't think of garlic as medicinally or anything beneficial. You, you, but that is fairly recent. People, and I'm going to get to that. Yeah, but I mean, people are like, mmm, tastes good. And I'm not even yeah. sure how recent and, that is, other than that today's society is just fed off of what the government and the media tell us. Because anytime I tried to Google, like, it got to a point in my studies where I wanted to know, you know, garlic is a very large um, culinary mm -hmm. herb. Like... Salt, pepper, garlic, garlic goes in everything, yes. um, and however much your heart tells you. Mm -hmm. So, I was like, "Well, I want to know the culinary history of garlic." You know, that was really hard to find. Huh. You know, anytime I tried to look up the history of garlic, it came up the medicinal history of garlic. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. very difficult for me to find any culinary history on garlic because its history is so rooted in its medicinal properties. Yeah. Um, so let's get into that. Um, and a lot of this history came from holistichealthliving.com. Um, so garlic's uses can be dated back to 1550 BC um, in the Egyptian Ebers Codex, which is a papyrus. This is how far back we're going. <laughs> um, this was like a medicinal encyclopedia, so to speak, written on papyrus that listed out all of the medicinal um formulations and things that the Egyptians used. Yeah. So the Ebers Codex outlined 22 medicinal remedies that used garlic. The Egyptians fed their slaves and pyramid builders um, loads of garlic because they believed it made them stronger. And garlic-shaped clay pots full of garlic were found in King Tut's tomb. Uh, the Hebrews were even seen complaining about missing garlic in Numbers 11, mm -hmm. chapter 11, verse 5. <laughs> when they come, you know, when the things we were complaining to Moses, mm -hmm. um, yep. you took us out of Egypt. Why, why, why? Now we're out here starving. Well, one of their complaints was we, we, miss, we miss our fish that was seasoned with garlic. Because yeah. um, even the slaves were fed garlic. Um, you think of slaves, you know, thinking of bland diets, mm -hmm. but not in Egypt. They were given the garlic because they thought it made them stronger and more capable of building the pyramids. Um, so let's see. Garlic was used for many ailments by Hippocrates, who's the father mm. of medicine. Yeah. Another ancient physician used garlic to treat dog bites, snake bites, pneumonia, bronchitis, leprosy. It's been called the theriac of the peasants or cure of the peasants, meaning that it was inexpensive and accessible. Um, kind of a cure-all. Mm -hmm. So it was, if you didn't have access to any other medicine, you had garlic. Um, and then I ran across this name. And I'm going to research this guy a little bit more than what Wikipedia told me because I like his name. Pliny the Elder. I know Pliny the Elder. Pliny the... What? Yeah. There's books about that dude. Yeah. yeah. So Pliny the Elder. I never heard this dude before. Huh. I don't like history or literature, so that makes sense. Pliny the Elder was an ancient Roman author and a naturalist who wrote uh, Naturalis Historia, which was the first encyclopedia, was 37 volumes, and one of the largest written works to survive the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. 
It described all the ways he believed garlic to be beneficial, and it would be a shorter list to say what he did not think it was good for, which is how my notes turn out. Yeah. To buckle up. In 1665, the London College of Physicians recommended garlic for the plague. At the same time, another physician was using garlic to treat smallpox. (laughs) It was used by Louis Pasteur, you know, the germ guy, (laughs) to kill infectious germs, um, which is impressive because he invented vaccines, yeah? He came up with vaccines and he used garlic to kill germs. He also invented pasteurizing things? Yes. Which is, yes, which is at first what I said, and I'm like, wait, no, he did more than just pasteurization process. Um, Yeah, so he's the germ guy. And you know, he did that, he dug into that study because three of his five kids all died from, I don't know, like typhoid or something. Hmm. Tragic. Um, So garlic's been used over the years to treat typhoid and cholera. It was used to um, dress wounds in World War I. And then later became known as the, quote, Roman penicillin in World War II when they couldn't get their hands on antibiotics for wounds. Hmm. It's been used topically to treat thrush or yeast infections, improves digestion, can relieve gas and bloating, decongestion, as well as antibiotic properties for bronchitis and other super phlegmy illnesses. That was fun to write, super phlegmy. That was my band name in high school. (laughs) Use a garlic paste on corns, warts, and acne, which soothes and softens the skin while also killing the virus or bacteria that causes the issue. Wow. So next time you got one of them callousy warts on your hand that decides to explode in the middle of church. (laughs) That was fun. That thing bled like a son of a gun right in the middle of church. Um... I personally have taken raw garlic with honey, so I'll either smash it mm-hmm. or mince it up real fine, put it in like a tablespoon of honey, and just swallow it down because garlic clove is kind of spicy. It's really yeah. good in food, but it's, it's potent. It's very potent. Um, but because of all its properties. So, anyway, I've taken raw garlic and honey, and then garlic oil capsules for upper respiratory infections, and even recently um, for a UTI. Which I know you guys are going to get really tired of hearing about my UTI, but I used herbs to treat it, so you're going to hear about it a lot. Uh, true garlic did not arrive in North America until the 17th century. Um, however, it's thought that native relative a native relative to garlic was used prior. Most likely Allium vanille, which is wild garlic, or Allium canadense, known as meadow garlic. And this was used by the Cherokee as an insect repellent. The Cherokees had it going on, and I've come to learn they're probably... So I have a me- an herbal medicinal book mm-hmm. that's Native American. Um, and I, I'm sure in the beginning it tells me like specifically what um, tribe. Mm-hmm. But... I would love to get like a just a like a Cherokee. Yeah, the the Cherokees same reference of herbal medicine yeah. because I'm sure that's really really rooted and like Appalachian folklore is mm-hmm. probably really rooted in the Cherokee. So that's why you find like the Cherokees are already probably the most interesting tribe, especially because I mean they were the first to have like a written language mm-hmm. and their history is so rich. But when you have them placed in such a rich environment of the Appalachians 
Um, God, it's so nice up there. We I know and, every herb I've ever and that's wanted still, to study. Is I up mean, there. that's still why most of your people that are into herbalism and and naturalism and all these kind of things are just attracted to that area. Yeah. That's why Asheville is so hippie rich. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to find us there one day. <laughs> I plan to retire there. Like I, Absolutely. So I don't know what's going to happen to the farm, but I would love to retire in, in Appalachia. Uh, but that's another day. Another well-known fact about garlic is it's used to repel vampires. Medieval, Europe, medieval Europeans. Medea. I don't have words, y'all. <laughs> Who would have ever thought I'd have led a podcast? I can't talk. Um, medieval Europeans developed a theory that linked this lore to porphyria, which was a blood disorder um, that affected like heme and how oxygen binded. You know, it sounds a lot like iron deficiency, but I think it's a little bit more. Um, but anyway, this disorder caused pale skin, thinning gum lines, which gave the appearance of enlarged teeth and um, photosensitivity. So sunlight made it worse and somehow garlic made it worse. So it was thought that these people with this disorder avoided the sun and avoided garlic. And they looked like vampires. Um, so you have the European lore that garlic warded off vampires, werewolves, and the evil eye. Muhammad's writings described onion and garlic as sprouting in Satan's footsteps as he fled Eden. Uh, Koreans ate garlic before taking a trip through the mountains or the forest and to repel tigers. Fun fact... Like, those weren't all a bunch of fun facts. Chicago is named after the native Indian term for garlic. Huh. Which sounds like Chicago. Chicago. Probably not saying that right. That's why I didn't put it in my notes. But, um, yeah, Chicago is named for the term garlic because apparently a lot of, like, the native garlic hmm. yeah. grew around the Chicago area. Cool. <clears throat> now we'll get into the science-y stuff. Um, I will warn you, there's a large tangent coming up that I really tried to pull out of the episode and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, so the constituents, we've got volatile oils, um, which is going to be allicin and technically it's aline, but then as soon as you crush, chop, chew, whatever, as soon as you bring tissue damage to the garlic clove. So this could be like, um, I'll get to that later, but any, any kind of tissue damage to the garlic activates alienase and alienase breaks down the allen, um, to create allicin. And allicin is the very pungent oil that is produced from garlic. Huh. It's what creates the smell, and it's what creates the majority of our benefits from garlic. Okay. Um, so now, alanase is irreversibly deactivated below a pH of 3 um, and at temperatures above 117. So this is going to be um, like your vinegars, your stomach acid, things like that have a very low pH. And they're going to damage that enzyme that creates this allicin. Also, when you cook it, you're damaging this enzyme as well. Now, allicin is the key medicinal oil. Um, I like how it says allicin. 
like a <laughs> it's not spelled like a girl's yeah. name, but Allison, we know her. Uh, the key medicinal oil on Google Dictionary defines Allison as a pungent, oily liquid with antibacterial properties present in garlic. It's a defense mechanism aimed to kill pests that try to destroy garlic. And now you want to think, like, it's not going to destroy us. I no, just talked about how safe garlic yeah. is. Um, so this was, it's very antimicrobial. Mm-hmm. So you got to think about things that are going to damage a garlic crop. Yeah. And in the dirt, you're going to have your microbes, your insects, your things like that that are going to get into that clove and activate that alanase that's going to then turn into allicin. It's very pungent and it's very antimicrobial to Mm. prevent rot and things like that. Um, So allicin is a very unstable compound. It will break down after about 16 hours at room temperature and completely break down when cooked at temps over 117. However, because this kind of made me think, well, then what use is garlic if you're not eating it raw and fresh? Um, why are we putting it in so much? Because it was put in so much because of mm-hmm. how beneficial it was. So are we really getting any benefit from it if we're cooking it because we're damaging mm-hmm. and completely deactivating that allicin? Um, and then, you know, even when we eat it. Yeah. Um, however, the breakdown of allicin produces at least 30 other medicinal value compounds. Wow. So this, and that fact came from a study I was looking at that was kind of talking about um, and comparing the allicin bioavailability um, in like supplements. Mm-hmm. Um, because if allicin breaks down after 16 hours, what good are supplements? Dried garlics up in capsules or... Um, allicin tablets or like I take a garlic oil capsule like what good is all this if it's just going to break down over time but it does break down into other other beneficial um, compounds and like I said there's over 400 that it breaks down to but at least 30 of them are known to be medicinal and I wasn't going to list all of those and talk about them (laughs) allicin has yeah and we're already going to be here for forever but basically, you still get some benefit. Obviously, you're going to get the most benefit. Like if you were in true dire medicinal need for the properties of allicin, of just crushing it, um, letting it sit for 10 to 15 minutes to allow that enzyme time to work and to produce as much allicin as, pro- as possible, um, and then taking it whole. And you're going to get the best benefit of that. Now, the allicin doesn't break down in your stomach. The enzyme does. So if you've allowed time for that enzyme to work, um, you're getting all that benefit from the allicin. I was talking to um, my mom and my sister-in-law because um, I knew that they were going to be really excited about my topic. And she mm-hmm. was talking about when she had mono, um, she was chopping up the garlic and taking it for her mono. And my brother told her, no, you have to chew it. And so she's like, I chewed, I learned, I learned to like to chew garlic, (laughs) which sounds horrible because it's very, very pungent. Um, And she did that for like two or three months because she had long mono. And I was like, no, that's pointless. And I (laughs) hate that. But like, it almost makes sense. Like you're almost there. Yes, you're going to get more, but you can't just take a whole clove. You have to provide damage to the Mm -hmm. cells of garlic to get that activation to turn into allicin. So yes, chewing it makes sense. 
Um, but unless you're chewing it for 10 to 15 minutes to allow time for that enzyme to work, mm-hmm. you're just chewing it, activating that enzyme, and then swallowing it into an environment that it immediately, yeah. irreversibly deactivates. So she was better chopping it and eating it. And I mean, she was just chopping it in a pill-sized form, but it, it doesn't take much cell damage to activate a sufficient amount of alanase to produce a sufficient amount of allicin. So even just a little chopping and letting it sit for a couple minutes and swallowing it is better than just chewing it because mm-hmm. you're not going to sit there and chew garlic for 10 minutes unless you're insane yeah. <laughs> and maybe have COVID and no taste buds. So, um, but you do get some benefit out of the end result of Allison. Mm -hmm. So it just, it just, the whole chewing it and swallowing it thing, you're, you're not getting any benefit because you're not even getting to the Allison to get to the breakdown of Allison to get those compounds. You're stopping it at that enzyme. That is cool how that works. Yeah. All right, so another constituent. So moved on from that main one. I thought I had more on that, but anyway. Um, Scordinins, which I did write scordinins, is a type of thioglycoside. Uh, It's not easily isolated. It's a very complex compound. Um, So there aren't many studies into it, though I did find some articles that claim it to be insect repellent. And another study that focused on using it in rats that did show anti-cancer properties. Like they injected these rats with um, a bunch of science words, but basically something that was going to cause liver cancer. And then in different ways and in different amounts gave them um, scordinin Mm -hmm. that was um, isolated from garlic and there was a way less rate of liver neoplasm in the higher dose of scordinin that was given to these rats. Hmm. So it was very interesting that it might have anti-cancer properties. Another, um, so you've got selenium, which is a powerful and essential mineral that is very antioxidant. Um, and I've talked about this several times and I finally decided to get like actually specific on what antioxidants are. <coughs> Antioxidants fight cell damage from free radicals and oxidative stress, um, providing anti-cancer benefits. Is important for thyroid selenium. Is important for thyroid function. A deficiency in selenium has been linked to hypothyroid disorders. Increases in selenium have been correlated with decreases in heart disease. It's been shown to improve mental health and reduce memory loss in Alzheimer's due to its antioxidant properties. Um, selenium is highest in oysters with like almost 250% your daily value in oysters. Uh, Brazil nuts, halibut, and yellowfin tuna are also very high in selenium. Um, and then you've got less than 100% of your daily value in eggs, chicken breast, shiitake mushrooms, sunflower seeds, and of course, garlic. Um, there are also vitamins A, B, C, and E, which are all also vital to cell function and have antioxidant qualities. So with all that said about all these vitamins and minerals that are in garlic, um, let's talk about antioxidants for a moment. Let's do it. 
because I've mentioned them in a lot of other herbs. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of skimmed over them with like a haha, I sort of half ass know what antioxidant means. Yeah. So I decided to really know what antioxidant means. Um, but I more specifically want to talk about the lack of them in our daily diet in combination with the abundance of lifestyle choices that increases free radicals and leads to oxidative stress that can be found at the root of most of our chronic illnesses. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That was a lot. And I'm going to get even more into it. Okay. So free radicals are not inherently bad. They are needed in your body. Um, And I didn't quite dig into exactly, like, what free radicals are needed for. But they're needed. Um, Actually, yes, I did. Free radicals can help fight off pathogens. That's written somewhere in here, too. It's a very long paragraph tangent that I decided to go on. Um, But it requires a balance with antioxidants and free radicals to prevent damage from those free radicals. Um. So as simply as I can explain it, because there's a lot of science, um, free radicals have an unstable amount of electrons. Um, just hang in there mm-hmm. with me. I'm listening. Okay. Um, and therefore are highly reactive with the molecules in our body, which can trigger a chain of chemical reactions. Antioxidants can give free radicals one of their electrons without making them unstable. So I kind of think of this as you have this like really emotionally stable friend Mm-hmm. And this really un like emotionally unstable friend, like you and me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Until recently, but <laughs> hang in there with me. Um, and so you've got me hanging on by a thread, and I've got this just like one spare electron that just at any moment can trigger off like a bomb and cause mm-hmm. this chain reaction of events. And then I got you, which kind of helps ground me, and you just kind of hand give me a hand. Mm-hmm. to keep me from being quite so reactive. <laughs> to choke the little shaky one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so antioxidants can do that without make, making themselves unstable, which is really kind of cool. Um, so when in harmony, this um, free radicals and oxidation can actually help fight off pathogens. Um, but things like smoking, environmental toxins, diets high in sugar, fats, and alcohol... <laughs> Increase the amount of free radicals while also decreasing the amount of antioxidants we are consuming. Because if you're eating all this junk and Mm -hmm. you're smoking and you're doing all this, you're not intaking healthy things. You're intaking unhealthy things. So you're intaking all these things that are creating free radicals, but you're not intaking any antioxidants. Mm -hmm. Um, So you create this really lopsided balance in this free radical antioxidant scale. And this leads to oxidative stress, which causes damage to fat cells, DNA, and proteins, which make up nearly every cell in our body. Yep. Um, And so this cell damage causes inflammatory responses. Um, And, you know, a lot of things can be based on chronic inflammation. So when anytime you have any kind of cell damage, you're going yeah, to have an inflammatory we, response as your body tries to fight this damage. And we live in a just, state of inflammation. Yeah, so you live in this state of oxidative stress, so mm-hmm. you live in this state of chronic inflammation, your body trying to fight it, but you've taken away all its antioxidants that it would use to fight that. Um, so this damage leads to... Um, Chronic inflammation, damage to cells and fragile organs such as the pancreas, um, lead to type 2 diabetes. 
Hmm. Um, it's going to lead, it's going to damage the cells in your vessels leading to atherosclerosis, which is hardening of your blood vessels. Um, and that increases the risk of high blood or leads to high blood pressure, which increases the risk of heart attack and strokes, um, which we know is mm-hmm. a big thing in our world. America. Um, neurodegenerative diseases such as Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. And of course, cancer cells will thrive where our natural cells are damaged. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a kick yeah. me when I'm down sort of thing. Um, your cancer cells are abnormal cells that mm-hmm. become proliferative, like invasive plants. Mm-hmm. They're invasive cells. And if you have already damaged cells that are ha- struggling to function, they're going to be easily overtaken. Yeah, much like disturbed ground. Yeah, which is why antioxidants are known to have this anti-cancer property oh, yeah. effect the- because they they allow your they just simply allow your body to work like it should. Yeah. Overall, I mean, that was very informative. It just backs up kind of what I've always preached, you know, coming from when I was training a lot of jujitsu and helping people with nutrition and people would ask me questions. I was in the gym a lot and people would ask me, like, I I always took more focus on the nutrition aspect of fitness than more so than the activity, which, you know, comes with it. But my advice to anyone who has ever asked me, well, how did you, how do you look like that or how do you, feel like that why ain't you aging as quickly as you know, like what advice i'm like eat whole foods yeah like eat whole foods cook them at home and that's the thing season is, them with stuff so in the cabinet. many things have antioxidants in them yeah and my biggest advice but is, we're not eating that we're eating no. mcdonald's and yep. frozen pizza if you don't have the means I, and drinking cokes yeah. and everybody does have something you can grow something but if you don't have the means to provide all your own groceries if you're going to go to the grocery store many people do that's fine um even we still do but shop on the outside edge of the grocery store is kind of like my my advice because that's where all your whole foods are going to be like when you start venturing out aisles that's when you get into crackers and cookies and processed foods and stuff like that the only aisle you should go down in the middle of a grocery store is for your spices and for if you need some and frozen canned foods and yeah. frozen foods Fro- are yeah, still frozen fresh. frozen and canned foods yeah. um but you're still getting still buy you know the veggies and stuff you want unprocessed not box food yeah and we get but my my thing is is that's not super practical like produce is more expensive than frozen yeah. veggies or canned veggies um so you're going to have some preservatives in your canned vegetables but not nearly yes. as much as you're going to have in a box of hamburger helper or in a box of Kraft mac and cheese, or a bag of ramen. You ramen, know, yeah. Georgia buy loves canned it so tomatoes much. and make your own spaghetti sauce yeah. because that spaghetti sauce also has its own preservatives in it. Like I haven't bought a jar of spaghetti sauce since I was a kid because my dad became really intolerant to onions, and mm-hmm. it was really hard to find pre-made spaghetti sauce that didn't have even onion powder in it so my mom just always bought canned tomatoes and canned tomato sauce and then threw in some herbs and we made our own tomatoes and we all made our own spaghetti sauce um but but just stuff like that like it's not super expensive to just eat healthier than boxed meals and frozen meals like at least put together your meals yeah, with canned or frozen goods. Somebody told me once, and this even applies to like the herbs and spices we talk about, is eat things that were alive. Yes, so the preservatives come into play when you're boxing or freezing 
cooked mm-hmm. meals. Yes. Things that have already been prepared. Yeah, you want herbs. Then that, you're having to preserve anything them. Anything that has life in it. You know, herbs, they're grown. Anything that's grown is, is I mean, that's the stuff your body is designed to digest and work properly off of. So. But if you think about just all the complaints that we have in society, if you even try to just take all that information about antioxidants and free radicals mm-hmm. and oxidative stress and think back to all the root of our issues that we have, brain fog, chronic fatigue, chronic pain, um, how much of that is related to just the fact that our the cells, the basic building block, building of, block of our body yeah. is stressed beyond belief. It's not designed to, and we are... Because of what yeah. we, we're not providing the, the right nutrients and minerals. Yeah. Human, for it to function properly. Humans are adaptive. I get that. Like we've adapted to to many things. Um, but diet is pretty foundational. And while we seem to have adapted to it, like we can consume more than we used to or we think we can. Um, but look at all the issues that we're having and nobody thinks twice. Like even at checkout at the grocery store, you never find apples and bananas at the checkout line. You find Reese cups and chewing gum and candy. Yeah. And it's just like and people look at you for any time that I, when I take my meals to work and it's like home cooked, whole food, like people just look at you funny. Like it's the craziest thing to... And that's so recent. (laughs) Through most of history, people have thought about what was in their food and how it benefited them. And And now we're just like, oh, McDonald's, it's easy to go through. And we don't think twice about what we're putting in our body. No, we, we live... A life of convenience, and that's what I'm trying to get away from. Because, I and mean, I do say we. I like yeah. a good, a good double. I went to Goldfinger's uh, today and had chicken fingers. Yeah, and and now I feel miserable. I went to Sonic and had cheese sticks. <laughs> if you, if you ever though, and I, I've learned this, if you ever, it's hard to get away from. If you ever do switch and you eat nothing but whole foods for a month, two months, three months, mm-hmm. and then you do indulge yourself into a typical standard american meal you feel like crap for days yeah like your body is like what did you just feed me like i got to the point where now i still enjoy like the other day we had fried pork chops i like a fried meal every now and then but even the way my diet even though i'm not as active on like in the gym and stuff as i as i was my nutrition has stayed pretty on point with what we eat here and even now i'm like I, the smell of something that's greasy, I don't even, I don't like it, but it's odd, like, <laughs> and another example, like, Paul went to the doctor the other day, and Ma and Pa, they live off the land. Like, yeah. their groceries, they put up every spring and summer, and that is what they've always like, eaten. almost 80, Post, still yeah. working in the kitchen and the garden to put up groceries. His doctor told him that nobody his age is that healthy. Yeah. And it's simply mild, I say mild. Regular activity, um, for what a normal person yes. should be doing. He's we're not made, yeah, but we're not made but to be yes. sedentary. Like right. he gets up every day and he does something, and they eat whole foods. And at almost eighty years old, he is the healthiest eighty-year-old. Yeah, like the worst pot eats is ice cream, and he don't even like butter. Yeah, I mean, and which is weird, but if, if you eat, and I stick by this rule too, that if you eat whole foods, you eat the way you're supposed to eat, like. 80 90 percent of the time yeah 
Ice cream ain't going to hurt anybody. So I've started um, my herbalism courses through Commonwealth Herbs. That's for your um, mental health. With Ren and Katya. And I think they're, uh, what did they talk about? It being 80-20. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ren was even talking about, and I can't remember what tea. He drinks some, he takes some kind of herb before he's going to go like eat pizza. When yeah. He decides he can go indulge in that pizza. Um He's going to drink a tea that's going to help his stomach tolerate it mm-hmm. a little bit more because your stomach's going to be like, what the heck are you doing to me? Um, but 80% of the time you give your body what it needs. Then 20, yeah. you know, you're, you know, that's yeah, you the kind do, of thing. 80, I mean, 20. You, it, the, and the things that we consider, uh, I'm going off on a tangent with your tangent because <laughs> it reminded it, But what we consider just a standard basic diet these days is made up of things that were created to either be some sort of treat for that 20% of the time mm-hmm. or things that were considered to be used sporadically like Coca-Cola, Dr. Pepper. Your sodas were sold at pharmacies because they were medicinal. They were medicinal. They were not meant to be consumed several a day. Um, but now that's the standard. I mean, you're going to eat treats and soda as every meal and it it, <laughs> it don't work yeah, out your body yeah your body's not designed I'm to trying to get my kids to lean into that with like the stuff that they eat like this what this is considered a treat yes not an everyday treat treats are rare yeah um and so I try to encourage their snacks after school to be things like fruit and yogurt and, and our kids have always been uh, pretty good oh yeah our kids do great they like love James, salad James ate celery and hummus for his after-school snack, and I didn't have to mention two things about it. I provided it, and he went into the fridge and got it himself. Oh, yeah. um, Georgia had key lime pie. Um, but she she's our very heavy sweet tooth. She's our adhd so she's seeking that dopamine. So we're still working through that. She likes her sugar. Yeah, but even at a... I had it in my Facebook memories the other day. Um, when we went through Wendy's, she was like three or four in order to... Some leaves, mm-hmm. like she wanted. To, like our kids have always. And when loved. they were real little, especially growing up around mom, pa, who eat out of the garden, like mm-hmm. they'll go pick fresh garden peas. They will eat those garden corn. peas raw. They'll eat corn raw. Big like you lumps can hardly of knobs. Pay. <laughs> it has the juice. It does have the juice. <laughs> I um, love it. But our our kids, they do they do like their vegetables. And right. there was a time when they were real little um, that they would eat all their peas at Mima's and mm-hmm. not. Their that's, hamburger helper because still, that's what if they show up to a house and it's like there's a pot of turnips or peas on the stove as leftovers that's you but yeah they James has never had a sweet tooth no like he James don't, doesn't have much of a sweet you tooth. can have like yesterday we had key lime pie which we all love mm-hmm. and he's like I've never had that he Let likes his it. nutter butters or like his oatmeal cream pies he'll and grab even one that's of those, very sporadic he's not big on like ice cream or pies or yeah. cake I mean. Candy. I've never known him yeah. to really eat a whole lot of candy. Um, but it's he a likes lifestyle his thing. fruit. Yeah. And that, that's kind of the basis of what we're getting, you know, with your talk yeah. on antioxidants. Which, he's had a tangent. lot of tummy issues and that probably, it yeah. probably doesn't take a lot of sugar to hurt his tummy. I don't have a big sweet tooth for that reason. Yeah. Even the slightest, you know, I can drink a soda, but it's usually. I do. I'm pretty sure Georgia gets hurt. Like after every meal, I have to have something sweet. Yeah. Um, most of the time it's fruit. Um, but if I go several days without, like, it never has to be major. I'm not going to overeat it. I'm not going to overindulge. But every few days, if I don't have something something sweet to cure my hankering, that I'm That key gonna... lime pie was for you in Georgia. Yes, absolutely. Like, we made a trip to town. 
just but for I did have to pie. teach her, and I do the same thing, like one small piece, like yeah, because you try to get like second, third. She pieces. can very <laughs> easily overindulge, yes. and I have to be careful when she does choose fruit over candy. She can eat a whole box of strawberries in one sitting. Yeah, I come in the other day and she had a plate of muscadine skins. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I eat fruit. <laughs> Four uh, pounds of muscadines. Whew, sorry about that tangent write that so i could remember to <laughs> say that all right so now that we know all the sciencey stuff we'll talk about the actions um which are kind of all going to echo the different ways that it's been used historically um it's antibiotic it's a very strong antibiotic like that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that it's known for it's why it was used to dress wounds in world war one was because of its antibiotic properties um <laughs> sorry I, I think in memes um, of course, it's antioxidant. It's an expectorant, um, which means it's going to help with all that phlegm, which we talked about it being used for any phlegmy illness. Phlegmy. Um, it's diaphoretic, which means it's um, cooling, so it's going to help mm-hmm. sweat off. It's going to make you sweat, so it's going to trigger you to sweat off like a fever. Um, and then, of course, sweating helps you excrete toxins. Um it's antihypertensive, anticoagulant, which means it keeps your blood from clotting, anti-diabetic, and also antiparasitic and anti-helminthic, which means it can used for, be used for um, intestinal worms. And now I did this with um, that stray dog that showed up. It was mm-hmm. obvious that she had worms it was in, in mange, and she just was really unhealthy. She got a little bit of garlic in each meal mm-hmm. for the first couple weeks. Now, I say that with a disclaimer that you have to be careful with garlic and dogs. Garlic can be toxic to dogs. This was just a little bit in her meal. um, And I don't even think I did it every day. I think I might have did it every other day. But I did it to get rid of the worms. And it worked. Um, So, what is the best way to use garlic? Eat it in everything. Um, And, of course, using it fresh, like we discussed, allow 10 minutes for the enzymes to break down allen into allicin. Um, Provide maximum benefit. Taking a whole clove crushed in something like honey, if using it for a specific remedy, makes it a little bit more tolerable. Um, You can also make a garlic infusion. Um, No offense, but I don't intend on drinking a garlic infusion. That sounds but if you would like to, um, you should steep it overnight. Um, and you can drink two to four milliliters, which is... Um, I put half to quarter to half a cup, but that's not No, right. that's not accurate. I was thinking ounces. Um, so that's not going to be much at all. Um, so you're not drinking it like a tea. Oh, no. You're talking about like... So you... Kids get five milliliters of like cough syrup, so you're not even talking about as much as like you would give. So literally a little dosage, mm-hmm. like medicine, and just shoot it back, oh, yeah. and take that with your meals. Um, my book mentioned two of my books mentioned uh, tincture, but then when talking about making that tincture, they talked about using apple cider vinegar. And so now I'm gonna go off on another little tangent. That's not a tincture, right? <laughs> tincture is strictly alcohol. Yes. Um, that is steeping an urban alcohol. If you're using vinegar instead, it's now just an herbal vinegar, which mm-hmm. is still medicinal, yes. um, but it's not a tincture. And I see a lot of people on TikTok and stuff 
um, saying they're making a tincture with such and such herb and apple cider vinegar, and that's yeah. not, it's not a tincture if it's not made with grain alcohol. If you use anything else, it has another name. Um, so one of the really good ways to use garlic is as an oxymel. And now an oxymel comes from the Greek word oxmeli, which means acid and honey. Um, it's the word, the Greek word for mm-hmm. acid and the Greek word for honey put together. Um, so it's an herbal elixir made with apple cider vinegar and honey. And that kind of reminds me of fire cider. So in mm-hmm. the 80s, you got Rosemary Gladstar, who's like... Mm-hmm. Mother of all herbalists. Um, she come up with fire cider, mm-hmm. which is real popular right now because it's now time to make your fire cider. Mm-hmm. Fire cider has garlic in it, mm-hmm. along with a bajillion other. <laughs> There's so many things in fire cider. But its base is a one-to-one ratio of apple cider vinegar and honey mm-hmm. is what all these things are steeped in. And, of course, you're going to let it sit for four to six weeks and then by the time, you know, cold and flu season comes around and we're really thick into winter, you're going to have this cold and flu remedy. Um, unlike tinctures, this prep only has a six-month shelf life, which is why I'm not making fire cider at the beginning of the year. Yeah. I'm making it right now, and it's going to get me through the winter months, and then mm-hmm. pretty much I'm going to throw it out yeah. because now it's no longer good. Um. So make in small batches. You can't really make it as needed because, like I said, it takes four to six weeks to infuse. So you can't, like, come down with a cold and decide you're going to make a garlic oxymel um, because it needs to sit for a month or two. So you really just want to make small batches Mm -hmm. every few months. That way you have it on hand when you need it. And you're not really wasting a whole lot if you're making small batches. You're not going to throw out a whole quart of garlic oxymel if you just make a small batch. Um, Because you're not going to need a whole quart when you do get sick. Mm -hmm. You're only going to need a little bit. Um, Yeah. And that's garlic. You made it. That was only an hour. (laughs) 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 My bad. And I'm trying to decide because I am not feeling very well. Um, But mine's super short. Um, I might just go into it anyway. Because... Mine's not super medicinally. I haven't covered many just like eating trees. Yeah. Like, I mean, we got into this whole so uh, while we're on podcast dietary. ordeal because people like to hear you talk and you've now been deemed sort of a plant expert on I TikTok. I was called a plant expert. I, so listen, guys. He didn't let it go to his head at all. Not at all. But I did have a, a random stranger come up to me in public the other day. And Y'all at the Bluegrass Festival. <laughs> We went to get our girls face painted and all of a sudden one of the workers comes up to him and goes, man, I love your TikToks. And I thought his head was going to explode in that tent. Like, well, hey, I mean, it went straight to his head, but I was also very proud. That was really, that was a cool moment. I didn't get recognized and that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. Well, anyway, so, and that. So there was that, and then people ask me plant questions like crazy now. Yeah, so they're here is, to hear you cool. talk. I know I, I yeah, ramble on I'm the not, educational my crap, tummy, but they're here to hear you talk. My tummy is, I'm going to make me some pepper, some of that uh, mini stuff here afterwards and drink some tea and go to bed. But since we played the game with you, um, why don't you guess mine? Did you say it was edible? Not, the, it... not the tree itself. 
<laughs> it makes Chickasaw food. plums? No, it's not. We're, I said I was going to do a series on the Prunus um, uh-huh. genes, but I have not, so no. Oh. Um, elderberry? No, it, I, I'm leaving the elderberry to you. Okay. That's more of a your thing. We can tag team that one. So it's not in the Prunus family? No, it is not in the Prunus, Prunus family. Okay. Not like I know anything besides plums that are in the Prunus family. Um, well, there's peaches and almonds. <laughs> if you think about it, though, an almond looks like a peach pit. It's just it like does. it's a it's a meatless, a fleshless um, plum. That won't kill you because a plum pit, yeah, or a peach yeah. pit could, could kill you. Yeah, I don't need this. Um, hickory. You nailed it. Did I really? Yeah. I had to go in a different direction of one of the other trees you've been on a rant about lately. Yeah, so, and I've made a few notes, and it's not that exciting of a tree. Um, And I didn't have much time for notes. I do have some to go off of here. But, I mean, you can't really go super, like, there's no extremely medicinal qualities. It's not like some magic tree. But I've always described hickories as, like, the manly tree, like, I don't know, something about hickories are super manly. They're big, they're hardwood, and they're stout, and like you use them for like smoking meat and firewood. So like as a man, like a hickory's like the tree you look up to, you know? Like hickories and oaks, kind of. Then you fill that spot. Um, but the biggest perk with hickory, we'll get to that in a second. Let me go back to mine. I got, ooh, I got notes to sort through. So they're like, off the top of my head, like 18 or 19 um different varieties of hickory and the majority of those like 12 of them are native to north america so it is a very north american manly tree (laughs) um and just to name a few like on our place we i have personally found bitter nut hickory pig nut hickory um mocker nut hickory which mocker nut is very um, descriptive of what it is because it produces these huge nuts and then you open it and there's like nothing in it. Nothing in it. Um, you got nutmeg hickory, uh, butternut hickory, hickory tussock moth. That's a moth. <laughs> a moth. That is a <laughs> hickory is a host butternut plant. hickory sounds yeah. yummy. Um, let's see. My favorite looking hickory tree is going to be a shell or a shag bark hickory. Which, if you, like a, the big pecan trees with the super, like, flaky bark. Like how you can go up to a pecan tree and just, like, peel the bark off. That's what a shag bark is, but with, like, bigger leaves and hickories. And on that same subject, you also have pecan trees. I mean, it's a pecan hickory. Oh, That's what it is. I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know that. Yeah, a pecan tree is um, in the hickory family. So it is a hickory. It is a pecan hickory which is what we have the most of and that's probably even this area i mean the southeast in general there is a lot of pecan trees and that's the most popular because it is the one that is cultivated i mean you see Mm -hmm. whole pecan orchards and things like that we got a pecan orchard yeah and you do tend to get um less shell it's easier to shell it's a thinner Mm -hmm. shell and it's more meat which is more than likely why it is the one that was cultivated the most but it shares a lot of characteristics with the um shag bark hickory like i said in the tree itself and the difference being the way to identify these and i have a tiktok on this with the ones we have around here but usually your leaf 
formations. Like you have some different leaf shapes and sizes, but like, like I know your shag barks, um, pig nuts, you're going to have like five leaf leaflets on a leaf. Mm -hmm. Some of them are like seven to nine and a pecan is pretty noticeable because it's going to have the smaller leaves and it's going to have like nine or more oh, wow. on, a, on a leaf. So it looks pretty, pecan's pretty noticeable noticeably different um but a lot of the characteristics are the same i know we've got a couple like saplings coming up that yes you've had a hard time like, yes telling because what kind like of I, I know a bitternut hickory the leaf formation looks pretty doggone close to a pecan mm -hmm. so i've had people around here argue with me i'm like i can't tell yet if that's a hickory or pecan They're like, oh that's definitely pecan i'm like is it though <laughs> well we'll find out but they're probably more than likely the ones we have popping up are pecan because of the pecan orchard, the orchard and there's yeah. probably a lot more seed disbursement um and usually when i'm walking through the woods that's my favorite tree to come upon because they host so many like the squirrels and everything love them and mm -hmm. it's like the wildlife is very vibrant because they're easier trees. to get into that makes sense yes and the, the squirrels yeah, are squirrel probably has an easier time getting into a pecan than yeah yo i found one the other day so it was this big hickory, probably like a 28 to 30 inch diameter. And it was piled up probably a foot high all the way around it in hickory shells where this squirrel oh my gosh. had just been waylaying these things. Freaking but it's making so much fruit. It's one of the yeah. best, um, um, what do you call it, fruit producing trees we've got down there. Then there's the hickory we've got, which is, I believe it's going to be a pig nut hickory that is and gra like grafted into um the white oak tree oh is that that one that yeah you made the picture it's of one huge trunk at the bottom where they grew together and then one main branch is a white oak tree and the other main branch is a hickory tree that's really cool yeah so that's like the manliest of manly trees because <laughs> you got both both of them they ain't competing in that one yeah now i do it has always been a favorite of mine even before we got into plant uses and benefits and medicine and food and all this kind of stuff we're doing now just because the fall colors on a hickory like we had the two outside of our old house mm -hmm. it was like highlighter yellow mm -hmm. in the fall and they're usually the first some of the first trees to show their colors and they're the most beautiful trees so once we fill in our yard with trees i will have some hickories around here just to add some color um but if you want to use it for landscaping it is, I mean, it's a great shade, shade tree. It is very hardy. It is very strong, so you're not going to have a lot of limbs breaking off of it and whatnot. Um, it's very pretty. It's a great landscaping option if you need a shade tree in your yard. Um, more than that, it is primarily used for, um, historically, as it makes great firewood. It smells delicious mm -hmm. when you burn it, which leads it as it is a it's probably my favorite wood to smoke meat with. Like typically when I smoke meat, I'm going to grab some hickory. Yeah. Or even pecan. Even pecan, yeah. Mm -hmm. I like pecan. It's my favorite smoking flavor. Hickory, then cherry. Um, oak is usually just kind of what I grab if that's what I got. Yeah. Then, like I've never been a big mesquite fan. I don't know, that's too too pungent. What kind of, is that a tree? Yeah, mesquite trees, they grow a lot down in like South Texas. Okay. Yeah, maybe I should cover that one day. They're pretty cool looking. Like if you go from my fishing Don't background. I don't know that I've ever seen one. Like if you go down to like Lake Fork or Lake Falcon, those lakes down there on the, like 
going into Texas and then down to like the Texas-Mexico border, mm-hmm. you have a lot of mesquite trees. A lot of the deer ranches out there are just like full of mesquite trees. I mean, I know you had like mesquite charcoal and stuff. Yeah. I just thought that was like a process or yeah. flavoring or something. I don't I, didn't, no, I guess I just didn't realize yeah, it was a tree. It is, and they're very cool looking, and the, the name is like badass. Mm-hmm. But it's just never been one of my favorite flavors. Hickory has always kind of been my my favorite tree. Yeah. Um, but then, if we want to look at it from a beneficial standpoint, so you got it. It's great for landscaping, great for a shade tree, great for firewood, um, great for utilizing in smoking meat. So you've already got a ton of like practical benefits to it as well. It produces like nutriently dense food. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anytime you can get a tree that is useful in multiple areas it is a great tree to have Mm -hmm. around so let's dive into some of the nutritional benefits since i've already went on a nutrition tangent well i'd be interested to see because i know nuts are high in antioxidants Mm -hmm. that's why i kind of perked up when you said that (laughs) (laughs) nuts and berries are some of the best way to get antioxidants and we've actually i think one of the key moments we've talked about especially you have talked about antioxidants is when you talked about beauty berry because most of your fruit that has purple in it, that purple purple comes from an antioxidant property. Muscadines, elderberries, beauty Mm -hmm. berries, grapes, blackberries, things like that. That that substance that gives them that deep purple color Mm -hmm. is an antioxidant your Even your black cherries. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Uh, I'm actually reading a fact here. Um, They were used a lot by the... Ojibwa tribe um, for bows due to their elasticity and strength. Yeah, so um, you could bend them without breaking. Yeah, absolutely. But the the thing I was going to here, if you want to go into the science of firewood, it actually ranks as like one of the most efficient woods in native trees to North America for firewood because of its BTU value. Like the what does that mean? How hot it burns. Oh. It is very efficient at putting off a lot of heat. Oh, and nice. it burns slower. That's good to know. Yeah, and the only thing... I don't think I ever thought of firewood in that way. Like mm-hmm. that different wood would get up off different yeah, levels of heat. Yeah, your most efficient firewood to burn um, is going to give you a tree that's very beneficial in other things as well as um, the best burning firewood is going to be like black locusts. Um, which is not native to North America. So your top North American firewood producing tree is going to be, as far as BTU values, is going to be hickory. So that's not just me saying it's a great firewood. It's like scientifically proven yeah. to I be I mean, that's good, that's good to know. To know, yeah. you know, like if things happen and you need mm-hmm. to be warm for the winter, it's it's a very interesting fact to know that different wood is going to heat your home differently. Yeah, absolutely. Hickory is the way to go. Oak is up there too. And a lot of your firewoods, like um, if you like, I've burnt china berry wood. You don't want to burn that; it pops. Like a lot mm-hmm. of your, a lot of your more quirky. Sound like I said quirky. It did. Quirky. That, my brain had to process yeah. that. To your get a... corkier woods, like sweet gum, um, they're gonna they're gonna pop a lot. That's because unfortunate because we have a lot of sweet gum. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of air, mm-hmm. like pockets in there, and then. Uh, I was about to say something like, you don't want to burn, you don't want to be inhaling like pine. You don't want to burn pine. You don't want to smoke with it or have it in your fireplace because of all the turpentine turpentine and everything that's in it. All the resin. 
you know, very resinous. Um, so hickory nuts are among the lesser known varieties of edible nuts, but they taste great and provide a lot of nutritional value. So let's look at those nutritional values. Um, if I could tell you what they look like, I guess I should do that. <laughs> they look like a, <laughs> they look a lot like a walnut. Like, yeah, I have to be honest, I've never yeah. been able to tell the difference between a walnut and a hickory, well, they, but I've also never really tried. They are in the walnut family. So a pecan is in a hickory family yep. is in a walnut family? Yes, pecans, hickories, and walnuts are all like the same group of, okay. of trees. That's why they're all super similar. Like they make the shell, then they make this hard nut, and then the meat, you know, like you can, if you have a recipe that calls for walnuts, you can replace it with pecans I or usually hickory. do. They're pretty interchangeable. Because, I like walnuts. I just don't always have walnuts. Yeah. Um, and pecan is the easiest to crack. Like walnuts and hickories are yeah. super stout. Um, <laughs> as I was reading through, it's like hickory nuts have an extremely nutty flavor. I'm like, Oh, no. You're so <laughs> immature. No, I thought it was funny because it's a freaking nut. Mm. <laughs> You're so immature. <laughs> <sighs> I was going for Love a G-rated elementary level joke because it said the nuts taste nutty. Much like the customer you had at Ruby Tuesday that said the ribeye was too fatty. Or the shrimp was too fishy. Yeah. I gotcha. I got what you turned down. We're just going to ignore that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Moving anyway. on. So per ounce in a hickory nut, per ounce, that is the serving size that I'm going by here. You have 5.2 grams of carbs, which is one thing to look at when you're looking at carbs is how much of it is made up um, with fiber. Like if you have something, like people speak so evil of carbs. But if you have something that's high in carb value, but also has like one to three grams of fiber, that's pretty good because yeah. you need fiber in your diet. Yeah. So out of five grams of carbs, um, almost two grams of that is fiber. That's a great use of carbs. Yes, absolutely. And then 1.5 grams of that is um, the natural sugars. I remember um, going over that when I was looking at dandelions. Mm -hmm. Dandelions have a lot of carbs, yes. but they have a lot of fiber. Yes. Fiber is what's up. Um, the most important on any Gym Bros list is going to be the protein. So <laughs> you have five grams of protein and three. Oh, wow. Three, no, five, five grams of carbs and oh. almost four grams of protein. Still pretty good for ounce. an ounce. Yeah. yeah. So it's very protein rich, um, very healthy carbs with your fibers um, and natural sugars but as with any nut um your breadwinner here is going to be the fats mm -hmm. um so you're going to have 18.3 grams of natural fat and just uh, and these are healthy fats yes like i was about to say acids not and... talking like 90s write it off fat-free diet stuff like yeah. fat you need fat yeah like your fat brain and your cells and everything utilizes lipids yes um especially as like a form of protection and stuff which is why when i was talking about like antioxidants one of the things that free radicals attack are your fat cells and i'm not talking about like the ugly yellow flat fat cells in your tummy mm -hmm. i'm talking about the lipids that make up the lining in your cells yes like that your cell lining is damaged 
Oh, yeah. The and proteins I, that attach things to and, yes. and make your cells that, function. That's why your best-selling, safest, good-for-everything supplement you buy off the shelf is omega-3s or fish oil. Yes. Because your body Healthy simply needs those to function in more than just one aspect. Like yeah. your entire body needs that for multiple. It literally is what the wall of our cells are made yes. of. <laughs> and that being said, um, if you're not buying fish oil, just eat some hickory nuts because the majority of fats in a hickory nut are omega-3s and omega-6s. Which are your healthy fats. Yes. Yeah. So and it is, It is if you're going keto, which fats like have made Even my kids take an omega-3, mm -hmm. omega-6, and omega-9 yeah. um, supplement. So they're any, supposed to. Most not, nuts actually remember to. coming up on a peanut farm, like mm -hmm. you're used to. Like That's what yeah. nuts do. They like... They're very calorically dense, but it's because of the fat. Yeah. Like for every calorie, like it's made up of like four grams of carbs equal one calorie or four grams of protein equal one calorie, but nine grams of fat equal one calorie. So any of your high healthy fat foods are going to be more calorically dense. Um, so if you're like need a quick meal if you need a snack that's healthy and filling and whole nuts are the way to go and especially like hickory nuts pecan yeah. nuts like our, our son will do like a spoonful of peanut butter before football yes. practice like if he needs a quick after school snack mm -hmm. he'll do a spoonful of peanut butter yep then of course your vitamins and it's going to be b1 b5 vitamin k mm -hmm. folate vitamin b6 riboflavin um choline vitamin e niacin vitamin c vitamin a all your antioxidants. All your antioxidants. If you want to know what that is, just rewind the episode. <laughs> um, and then minerals. I'll talk a little bit about it. <laughs> the minerals, you got manganese, copper. It's very high in magnesium and recommended for people that need to supplement magnesium. Yeah. So eat some hickory nuts. Messy. Listen, listen, Linda. <laughs> Zinc, Get phosphorus, me some hickory nuts. selenium, potassium, iron, calcium. So... A very, very healthy native So what I'm hearing, snack. as being somebody who is perpetually low on magnesium, potentially low on selenium, um, and I have a long family history you of need more nuts in your mouth. On a... <laughs> that was worse than my inspiration. No, it wasn't. It was, no, it was yes, the same. It was. It was the same. It was not because I didn't even make the joke. I got on to you for making the joke and you didn't even make it. The joke wasn't even ever made. You thought it. I did not. The mouth speaks from the heart. That was so <laughs> bad. Uh, I have editing software. Don't edit that out. That's I'm not. funny. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to and ease your Anyway, mind. I was trying to say... Uh, I like cashews are probably my favorite and I'd have to look and see if cashews will work, but... I guess we need to figure out if we can get a good stock of hickory nuts. Oh, I'm about to. Yeah, they're down there getting ready now. How if you the squirt, if the with a hammer, <laughs> I was like a lot of work. Yeah, um, but even pecans. I mean, they're gonna provide the same thing. For and me to eat an ounce. The biggest daily. thing with the wild hickory trees down in the forest is Mr. Squirrely Poo. Is they're very impatient. Like they waste so many hickories because they start like chewing them up before yeah. they're even ready. Um, but I have I have marked. That's out. the thing is I was so excited to find things like elderberry. <laughs> yeah, the birds love that stuff. And by the time we went down there, we got like I don't know half a cup. Maybe. Maybe. 
Oh, yeah. Because the birds got to all of them, and the half a cup I got, honestly, I'm not comfortable that it's ri- that they're ripe enough. Oh, yeah. Because elderberry can be toxic if it's not ripe enough. Yep. So you want the almost blackberries, and a lot of those are they still kind of reddish. Oh, yeah. But I was afraid if we left them there that they were gonna. I mean, I guess I probably should have because I'm not <laughs> gonna use them at this point. I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't trust them. But. So I'm gonna let you uh, miss. Uh health expert Uh-oh. dive into this with me I'm not a health and this expert. is why i saved I this I page here <laughs> yeah a trial using mice examined the potential effects of cold extracted hickory nut oil on mm-hmm. the lipid cholesterol profile mm-hmm. um which is a lot of people dive away from fats when they have cholesterol issues but it should be the opposite yes you want you want to increase your l your um HDL. Your HDL and lower your LDL. Yes. So you actually want to increase your good fats to help mm-hmm. fight off the bad fats. Cutting out fats altogether is not good. No, a lot the of... The higher your HDL, which your HDL is not going to be anywhere near your LDL. No. Your LDL needs to be below 100. Mm-hmm. And you want your HDL, I think it's above 20. Mm-hmm. Um, that may be wrong. I'm, I'm having to do this all it, off memory, guys. And my... I have a lot of lab values in my head. But Mine was jacked up last year on my last blood work because of the um, prescription that I'm on. Mm-hmm. And that was, I got it corrected. But a lot of that was just utilizing more healthy yeah. fats in my diet. Yeah. Um, like, so a lot of us have high cholesterol, which is, it's usually our total, which you want less than, I think, 200. Um, but most of our total cholesterol gets thrown off by higher than 100 LDLs, which mm-hmm. are low density mm-hmm. um, lipids. Yes. You want your high density lipids, which is your HDL. Those are your healthy cholesterol. There is healthy cholesterol, believe yes. it or not. <laughs> and that helps inhibit that unhealthy cholesterol. Uh, I won't name names. You know what I'm talking about. It has um, a lot of diabetic and health related issues. Um, quit eating eggs because they were high in cholesterol but they're high in healthy fats like omega-3s and omega-6s eggs are so high in protein and healthy fats which leads me and selenium yes which leads me into this study with the mice with the Mm -hmm. cold extracted hickory nut oil um the study findings demonstrated that mice consuming high doses of hickory nut oil experienced large increases in hdl levels sometimes known as a good cholesterol Sometimes. Compared to the regular chow and low-dose control groups. So the ones that had hickory nut in their diet was experiencing higher levels of good cholesterol. Not only did it raise the good cholesterol, it decreased LDL cholesterol compared to control groups consuming lower doses of hickory nut oil. And decreased total cholesterol, triglycerides, and LDL cholesterol compared to mice consuming high-fat diets without hickory nut oil. So it is one of the most beneficial, well-rounded fat, calorically dense foods you can introduce into your diet. And it grows all across North America. Um, But it's hard to get into. But they're expensive at the store. Because they're hard to get into. Now, any nuts, have you priced nuts at the store? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They're not an easy commodity. No. But if you go outside and you own a hammer... It's still not easy. It's no. not easy as plucking berries it's, off of a tree. No, it's not convenient. No. 
But so that work you have to pay for that work that you're putting into it. And well, I know that. I'm just yeah. I'm just saying that if you if you really want to do something about your um cholesterol levels, yes, go find a hickory tree. I mean, really any nut for that matter. Yes, you, utilizing nuts for your snack instead of chips. Yeah, it, that in and of itself is a major lifestyle change. Yeah, um, like I know. Who you were talking about won't eat eggs, but she'll eat um, sugar-free. Yeah, drink diet right and eat sugar-free bread. There's so much misinformation when it comes to dieting. I want to know who at her doctor's office is educating her because she's not listening to me or her daughter, who's also a nurse, and... And is making these diet changes based on information from somewhere, but the education on carb counting, which is what's most important in your type 2 diabetes, is your carb counting and your healthy fats. Apparently now she's getting misinformation on Yeah, no, we, we, we fixed it pretty quick because it was me and her daughter and okay. son-in-law. All there was like, that's horrible information. Yeah, okay. <laughs> So, anyway, so there have not been many human trials on hickory nuts, but there have been a lot on walnuts um, that do exhibit the same thing that we saw in the mice with the humans and walnuts are very, very, very closely related to hickory nuts. So, we can almost safely assume that this, I mean... I mean, it's the same this, compounds. Yes, same you know, compounds. So. Um, it does have many beneficial micronutrients, thiamine. Is that how you pronounce that? Thiamine? This looks right. Thiamine. Thiamine. It's a, That's what I said. It's a B vitamin. Yeah, it plays a, an essential role in energy production and general growth and development. So nuts, I tend to snack on nuts before I go to the gym because it does help. I mean, that's what calories are, is energy. Mm-hmm. Like That's why we have a measurement of calories. I mean, when you have a calorically dense food that is full of healthy fats you're gonna see a boost in energy this is kind of off topic for you but like just how my brain is working um it's kind of along the lines of like why in early pregnancy you're so fatigued mm-hmm. nuts would be a great option because one of the things that they stress in early fetal development is um your dha which mm-hmm. is a type of healthy fat yes. Um, so nuts might be a great choice in that, but the reason that you're getting so fatigued in this early development is because you're, you're, the fetus is going to take from, from you. Yes. You are going to go without. It is the priority. Yes. So the fetus is going to take whatever it needs from you and you're going to get the leftovers. So Mm -hmm. if your body has a limited store of healthy fats or calories in general, you're going to go without. You're going to end up fatigued because you don't have that extra calorie. So mm-hmm. nuts are a great supplement yeah. for early pregnancy. Yes. And like it mentioned, for growth, general growth and development. Yeah. So um, it's high in manganese, which has vital functions for skeletal health, and it may potentially help to promote blood glucose regulation. Um, so this is knocking out your cholesterol and your diabetes issues all in the same mm-hmm. food. Copper, which is a necessary cofactor for a wide variety of enzymes yep. with important functions within the body. Additionally, and not super easy to come by nutritionally. Yeah. Yeah. Then, messy, mm. magnesium, mm-hmm. which is a crucial mineral that influences mm-hmm. numerous bodily systems. It does. Uh, 
Muscular and neuro. Yep. Research suggests that chronically low magnesium intake may increase the risk of various chronic diseases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, and I will use this moment to cater in why I will be harvesting as I preach on nice whole food diets without over-consuming super bad-for-you sweet things. I found a recipe for hickory syrup. <laughs> And and I, one of the things I've been quizzing as we build our homestead. I have never thought about using nuts for yes, syrup. Because it extracts the oils and everything uh -huh. and the sugars. But one of my biggest things I've been brainstorming as I think through our homestead and my eagerness for society to collapse so that we can just live out here and not have to worry about it anymore. Uh, <laughs> he didn't is, say that. Is I'm trying to figure out what are my best sources of things that we still have to buy regularly, like mm -hmm. sugar. Um, so I ordered some sugar cane, which is not native, but can be cultivated and maintained. So I got some sugar cane. Of course, you have maple trees um, mm -hmm. and any sweet sap producing tree. Um, you can draw sugar out of that. But this, I mean, natives and pioneers used heavily utilized hickory nuts and made hickory syrup as their sugar as their sweetener so you can make you don't use sugar to make hickory syrup you do add some to it to make it sweeter like super sweeter but you can just extract the the juice oil and sugar from the nuts itself to make hmm. a very mildly sweet interesting syrup. like you add sugar to it because we have sweet tooth and we want stuff like sweet you know but you can extract the sugar from the nuts Interesting. As, as a sugar source. I just assumed when you said hickory syrup, it was like any other simple syrup that yep. I make, and you're just infusing the hickory into the simple syrup, yep. and it and all the makes sense. And a lot of the recipes I found utilize the nut, but this recipe I was just looking at just here, and several others utilize the tree bark oh, as well. Because that's, that's going to have, because it does have a, a syrupy um, uh -huh. sap. So if you can utilize something with the like sap the in it bark. as well. Yeah. So just like with a maple tree or anything else, you can yeah. get the syrup from the bark. So nuts, bark, mix yeah. them together, whatever you want. Um, you can utilize them. You know, I know pecan pie is notorious and it is a hickory tree, but you can replace any pecan recipe with any hickory nut. Yum. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to need some hickory pie. I'll get um, right on that. Yeah, absolutely. But that's really, uh, that's all I had. I told you I was going to do a short one because I knew you had like four hours I did. worth yeah, of stuff. I'm sorry. So I'm like, Let me I let him know. Tree. I went to the coffee shop today after my massage and uh, decided to study. And I knew garlic was a lot, but it was fascinating. Like, I kept hitting points that just were fascinating to me, mm -hmm. and which would lead me into another tab of my browser, oh, yeah. looking up something else. And... I ended up with three typed pages of notes. And normally I've got like a page and a half to two pages. So that explains nice. why I went yeah. 45 minutes. Yeah. Sorry about that, y'all. <laughs> if y'all don't like listening to me talk. Sorry about that. Um. Well, anyway, so uh, yeah, that's it. And while we're here at the end, we will be sure to make... We, I'm tangling my words. Be sure to put in a plug for our other outlets if you enjoy the podcast you can find the podcast facebook group 
which is open for discussion. Not a lot of people's utilizing it yet. Um, we do keep y'all up to date there, but you can post questions, discussions, anything else you want to in the Trees and Weeds Facebook group. Then, of course, we got the website, trees-in-weeds.com. I hate that. I love it. It's got I a nice ring it. to it. It does now. It trees, just kind of, it's rolling off the tongue weeds. a little bit better. But. Um, where you can find literally everything from podcast links to Messy's Bag of Weeds, her um, herbal shop with salves and bombs and which teas, you can find on etsy at you, messy's bag of weeds um new products mm-hmm. coming to you i'm getting ready for my first craft show um of course updates about that on the native trees facebook on the native mm-hmm. trees uh, so that it's native trees in a bag of weeds podcast instagram mm-hmm. or nt bow nt bow podcast <laughs> um instagram also my instagram messy dash Messy underscore living. Um, and I've actually, I've unified, I'm still at your boy Jared Way. That's still my username on TikTok. But you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok just by typing in Jared Wade Native Scapes, which might be the name of a native plant nursery coming spring of 2023. <laughs> so email us any discussion, any tidbits if you've got ways that you've experienced these herbs um, or things that you've learned that we didn't discuss please email us um, at treesandweeds.com or treesandweeds at gmail.com yes or there is a contact page on the website where you can just fill it out and send it and it'll or send it you know us. message us on instagram come mm. up on the facebook page whatever, whatever you need to there's do. lots of ways to contact us uh, feel feel free to reach out um, and with that being said nature knows more than we do just gotta learn about it